1: What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Anthony, alongside the best Big 3 account in the universe, Big 3 News, a.k.a. Will, back with another edition of the 4th Man, the playoff edition of the 4th Man, as we have just wrapped up the regular season. Week 8 is behind us. The Bahamas are in front of us, and it's an exciting time. Super excited to get into this episode. We're going to recap Week 8 a little bit here briefly. I think everyone's had time to digest it at this point. But mainly we we're just going to talk about the playoffs, preview it, really get into the four teams that have made it this far. And it's going to be a great show. We had Reggie Evans on yesterday, or I guess two days ago. This will be dropped on Friday. So two days ago we had him on Instagram Live, got to hear his thoughts and kind of their game plan around what they're going to do with triplets. So going to give our thoughts today. First and foremost, my guy, Will, Bahamas are are here. This It's so crazy that – for about a year and a half, two years, we were just speculating and consistently trying to find things to talk about. And then the league hits, it's back, and all of a sudden we're here already at the playoffs.
0: I know it does, it goes super fast. I did sort of have that moment too when I looked at the four teams that were in the playoffs, because this is really what it's all about, really, is these next two weeks. Right. And we we're always oh, so, all this like speculation, like who's going to be good, who's going to be bad. And I don't know if we ever got this specific four combinations of teams. And all of our, you know, debating and speculating and, oh, what if this person goes here? I don't know if we ever got these four. So I think that's really cool to see. Yeah.
1: And I actually put on the Instagram account today, I f- I figured it was important to hold ourselves responsible and accountable for the Uh-oh. four teams we picked. Turns out we only got one right, which is no. probably the easiest one. We each got one right. We each got triplets. So we both had <laughs> we got one combined right. <laughs> which was the former champions, uh, because we each had Bivouac and then I had enemies and we each had killer threes, which they just missed. And then you had power. So pretty wild. Like you said, I don't think we ever had these four teams as a combo, but that's what makes this league great. I think the not being able to predict what's going to happen before the year because there can be so many changes. It's, you know, there's a lot of volatility with who comes in the league and how they're going to perform. So We'll see. It was a great season. Uh, It was a great season. It's it's only going to get better because these are truly the best four teams throughout the year. They've been able to stay the healthiest. They've been able to adapt to different situations. And to be honest, like, you know, triplets has been a powerhouse through their first two seasons, but they went one and two down the stretch. So you kind of think, okay, who's really going to win this thing? And so we're going to try to break it down, see if we can figure it
0: out. And maybe, maybe we
1: can get the champion right here well that, so,
0: that's a good thing right and i'm glad you brought up triplets because i think my biggest scare as you think about it, you prepare the playoffs be like i just hope this isn't too much of a cakewalk right for triplets yeah. you know i hope there's you know there's a little bit of like you know something there Where because i feel like this whole season really up to week eight we've been like all right it's triplets and everybody else it's triplets and who's gonna have the right to lose to triplets you know especially like those first five weeks it was just like You know, who's the second best team in the league? That was the (laughs) debate. But now you can't really say that anymore. Triplets have lost that, uh, you know, uh, status, I guess. They're not in first place anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, We can have the argument, are they still the best team in the league? But from what you highlighted, they're the healthiest. The same guys who won all those games are also the same guys who lost. They don't have the the ghost ballers or, you know, even like the tri-state thing of, Oh, well, you know, they lost their best guy and then they fell apart. It's been them. And I would say that killer three is absolutely built the blueprint of if you want to beat this triplets team, this is how you do it. And Tri-State just sort of added on to that. And really, it's, you know, we'll get into it in week eight. And I guess this is starting off, you know, triplets versus Tri-State, the blueprint is just to play as physical on Joe Johnson as possible. And Jamario Moon, Allen Anderson, when they're not hitting their shots, that's really it. You know, it was uh, – you wonder, you know, a team that's already clinched. Maybe they didn't have the same intensity as every week. You know, maybe, maybe. they were just sort of – but I don't really believe that from a Lisa Leslie coach team. I mean, you see her mic'd up on the sidelines the way she's talking about. The one seed is very important, especially with how stacked this league has been. So Yeah,
1: and I'm glad you brought up Allen and Moon because that's the thing. Really, that I I noticed in that week eight game when Tri State was essentially dominated this game. You know, they doubled Joe lot but we're used to seeing Allen, Jamario Moon, Janeiro Pargo, you know, whoever the case may be, like step up to the plate when Joe can't get going on or win. Joe's having to dish the ball out a little bit more, and that r- really was the other side where okay, they they weren't actually hitting all their shots. This is truly what can happen if. If you know we double and we play defensively, right, and we just rely on other guys to make shots for them, like they're not going to always show up. I guess is what, what my point is, and this is this is kind of the outcome of it. So, I mean, hats off to Tri State. They won fifty-one to thirty-six. Um, it seemed like any. I think the closest they were ever really in it outside of like the beginning of the game was really maybe early in that second half when yeah. triple started to make a little bit of a run, and Tri State answered the call every time they. They hit a big shot. Even when Joe hit that crazy shot over two defenders, you know, you're thinking, oh, here comes Joe. It doesn't matter anymore. Tri State was able, able to answer. Justin Dentman's probably been one of the best pickups. It's, it's kind of baffling that he wasn't even drafted at this point. But yeah, that's that is kind of a preview potentially of, of the championship at this point. So yeah, maybe. I mean,
0: you could definitely say that, but I will say that I feel like Tri State is a lot more vulnerable then maybe we're giving them credit. Like I feel like Trilogy could absolutely beat Tri-State. Yeah, let's let's talk about
1: Trilogy a little bit because they are the four seed, which... That was a nice transition. I was going to... Well, thanks. But I was going to say, in a way, the Trilogy kind of benefit from losing. So they're the four seed. We've talked about them being the second-best team all year, and they end up going five and three. They blew a a pretty big game, which it, it didn't cost them, luckily, but... They had a lot of opportunities to take down killer threes and they ultimately kind of blew that one, despite Dante Green getting ejected. Um, but, you know, and, and the, like, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you look at the Trilogy's Tri-State matchup, I think you're hundred percent right. I think Trilogy, I think you can make the argument they, they could still be the second best team. And I, and we haven't seen Trilogy and Tri-State play, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an upset here, you know, like Tri-State has definitely been on a roll, but we thought the same thing about killer threes, I think down the stretch, like, are they the best team in the big three right now? They they lost it, you know, they lost a tough game and then came back uh by the grace of missed free throws on trilogy's end. And ultimately it wasn't enough. So, like, you know, did Tri-State get hot at the right time or did they get hot too early? It's kind of the, the questions
0: I have in my head. Uh yeah, I would go, I would tend to go towards the first part of that. I feel like Tri-State and Trilogy have sort of had opposite seasons where I Ooh, feel like. I feel like Tri-State, they came in and it was like the Jason Richardson show. And then slowly it's become like this very much so a team effort with Mm -hmm. Larry Sanders and Justin Detman and even Nate Robinson, you know, has had, feels like every other week, he's putting on a pretty solid performance for them. Uh, And Earl Clark too. I always forget to say Earl Clark, but Earl Clark has been fantastic for them. He really is the constant. Uh, So maybe that's why he's overlooked because he's just (laughs) like the constant there. But then meanwhile, you have Trilogy. And I feel like the beginning of the season, we were talking about Isaiah Briscoe and Amir Johnson and James White. And then it's slowly, slowly just become the Jarrett Jack show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And wow. now I feel like Jarrett Jack, you know, they'll go as far as Jarrett Jack will take them. And Jarrett Jack is probably, you know, a top five player in the league at this point in time, you know, the, the very reminiscent of the killer threes team that went to the championship and lost to, triplets you know just in terms of you know just having one superstar and then a pretty decent supporting cast but it's just interesting to see you know this transition away from what they originally were which was like this nitty-gritty very much so a team effort but it really has just become you know I don't want to say a one-man show but you know definitely at least offensively I feel like it's become a one-man show do we think that
1: the loss of Quintel Woods might be bigger than than we thought it was initially because, you know, this is no discredit discredit to Devin Sweetney, but mostly Stack hasn't really given him the opportunity to to do much, you know, they pretty much run with the four man rotation here and I'm wondering how much of an effect that really has because they really had a lot of size and they had a lot of switchability, which is vastly important in a three on three setting, you know, Briscoe puts up 28 in the first game and not saying he hasn't had a great season, but definitely has, dwindled down a bit to, like, okay, well, well, Briscoe is is a great bench player and a great player in this league. You know, it's good to see youth in the league, but at the same time, I don't think we can expect 28 points from night in and night out. That's just not his game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's you know shooting I mean? A lot. He's settling for a lot of jump shots, which I'm a little surprised by. And, and maybe that has – I've thought about this, too. Like, you know, Briscoe, his big thing coming out of college was he doesn't – he's not a great shooter. And so he's been working on the jump shot, had a great first game he's also maybe looking at this as an opportunity or an avenue to show NBA scouts that he can shoot. So maybe you take more shots, but, yeah. you cool. know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe Quintel Woods was a bigger loss and we're kind of looking it, at It's
0: it. It's seeming that way because I feel like they use Quintel Woods in a pretty unique role as compared to like where, what we've seen him previously, especially with three headed monsters, where I feel like, on three hit monster, who's more of just like a defensive wing, mm-hmm. but they were really using him in like the pick and roll, yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like in your, I would agree with you. And maybe you know losing that has really just stifled them a little bit on offense. But you know that's a good point. I to be honest with you, I didn't really think about that. But yeah, Quintel Woods, that, that's been a big loss for them. I mean, listen, they they've continued to win games, yeah, they, but it's they've done it without but, them, But but I just feel like it's a less uh reliant, reliable way that they've been winning games.
1: Yeah, I think big three experience, we, we talk about time and time again, goes a long way. And for Quintelli, has that. He's been on multiple teams in this league for a while. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe, too, just having an extra man uh, to give guys a blow every once in a while that you can really rely on is a thing, too. I don't know. But all, all that being said, I still think that the Trilogy's Tri-State matchup, which we'll preview here in a sec, is – is one that is kind of a toss-up. Like, We'll get more in-depth of it, but let's talk about the last game before we do that. In week eight, it was three-headed monsters and ghost ballers, and ghost ballers didn't go away quietly. They definitely made it interesting or tried to make it as interesting as they could, being down 19 at one point. Uh, that being said, three-headed monsters, they knew all they had to do was win, and they're in, end, and they took care of business. They finished the year six and two, which I think is – their best record or their second best record since
0: they might have also been six and two in 2017
1: that's what i think i think they were six and two in 2017 so uh really like what i really got from reggie is that one they've had this this core you know their experience
0: but and reggie wasn't even on that team
1: (laughs) yeah exactly but uh, i was gonna say since year two they really had this core and it's been successful they've been to the playoffs every year the only team now to make the playoffs all four years but at the same time what I really got from him is that Kevin Murphy has been an incredible addition for them Uh, I mean we've seen it throughout the year he's potential probably potential newcomer of the year if it's not Leandro Barbosa and he just really fits the I guess the culture or the chemistry wise like fits that team really well and so you know, they took care of business with Ghost Ballers. They didn't have Mike Taylor, uh, unfortunately, for Ghost Ballers. It did, the season didn't end as they had hoped. Mike Taylor was probably a, a, obviously an MVP for that team, but probably a potential MVP if he stays healthy, uh, at least maybe a runner-up to Joe. I, I don't know. We can talk about that here in a sec. But, I mean, overall, like, what do we think of, of three-headed monsters coming into the play, like going into the playoffs after beating Ghost Ballers? They're on a three-game win streak. You know, they, they play triplets again for in the playoffs for the second year in a row. I mean, let's, we can kind of transition over to what we think about the playoffs and, and the, the matchups between the two. But what do we think about 3A Monsters at least going into their first game?
0: Yeah, they, to me, are the true wild card in all this because I feel like they have had – they're really coming in hot. I mean, they're firing on all cylinders. Kevin Murphy, in my opinion – was probably the best draft pick. I mean, right? We we can say that, right? With pretty good certainty that Kevin Murphy was See. the best draft pick? Yeah,
1: Isaiah Austin
0: year? one, Earl Clark. I mean, at least
1: value-wise, right? Cuz you got well, Earl. I don't know
0: any other guy who was in the draft that is in the MVP conversation. Oh, that's a good way to put
1: it. Yeah. You I know, don't think I think so either.
0: Unless I'm completely and totally missing somebody. I don't know if anyone else. No, else most of them the were captains
1: or co-captains. I don't think right. there were a lot of drafts. And then teams.
0: you look at other guys like Dusan, which Dusan was drafted, but he didn't play. So, you know, that takes you out of – he didn't play for the first half of the season. So that takes – as good as he was, that takes you out of the MVP conversation. Denman mm-hmm. you know, wasn't drafted. Uh, Earl Clark was good. But he's not in the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just look at Dante Green. Dante Green would have been in the draft, but he was promoted. You know, besides that, I just – you know, Larry Sanders was another guy who was promoted, but, I, you know, he's on the MVP conversation. You know, I, I would say it's Kevin Murphy. Yeah. Kevin Murphy was absolutely the best pick, and it was a guy that neither of us on draft night <laughs> – I would love to go back and find the footage of no, Kevin nobody, Murphy being picked. in our group we were like Jeff. We were like, okay. And then, yeah, Jeff was like, oh, this dude's a bucket. And we were like, <laughs> all right, we'll take your word for it. And then, absolutely, they ended up being right. Kevin yeah. Murphy has been – Astounding for them. Credit to Gary Payton and credit for them for knowing exactly what they needed. Right. Because to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have identified that three headed monsters team and said, Oh, they need a score. You know, I'd be like, yeah. Oh, give it to Richard Lewis. You know, mm-hmm. he's your score. You need a facilitator. And they're like, No, you know, shut the hell up. We need a score. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what they went out and got. So that they're my true wild card in all this because I could see triplets going in. Coming off of a loss, like you said, a little embarrassed, be like, "All right, we're gonna tighten things up and then just pound three-headed monsters." I could see that. Uh, you know, I I think this game is probably slightly less competitive, in my or this game. There's less of a chance as a for a upset in this game than the one four. Yeah, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, but I could also see three-headed monsters just coming in, turning it on, like you said for the playoffs, building <laughs> off that blueprint that we saw from tri-state and killer threes and just absolutely you know the way reggie evans has been playing kevin murphy could absolutely just go off have an incredible game i could see this being an upset as well so i'm looking at
1: their game from last year so they played earlier in the season it was 51 to 45 but really it was kind of a a a late minute a late minute a last minute comeback from three headed monsters where kevin murphy had like three four pointers at the end i think he ended up scoring 29. But that game was kind of a runaway. It was 27-12 in the first half because Triplets went on a 16-0 run to end the first half after Richard had to sit, which Reggie mentioned that was a that was a big emphasis. Can't get in foul trouble early. Yeah, That can really deter, deter your team. But I'm looking at last year's matchup, and the final score was 50-39. to You know, Mario Chalmers was their leading scorer, 14 points. So I think Kevin Murphy kind of replaced that role and maybe even amplifies it a little bit. Oh, for you know, sure. You, you brought in Rodney Carney late because – of uh, a last minute addition, they also had six guys. I forgot about that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of a different dynamic for the three headed monsters and how they approach everything. You know, Reggie only had twelve in this game. Charlo Lewis only had six, and you know, for for Reggie Evans too. I mean, like, and I I keep referencing the the Instagram live. So for anyone listening to this, go check that out as well. But for for Reggie, you know, like he he talked about how he's been a score all his life, really, outside. But, like, when he got to the NBA, it was more of, like, playing a role. How can I stick in the NBA the longest? But now, but I was telling him, like, man, this year, it really seems like we've just seen you, like, emphasize or amplify your offensive game. I mean, he's really just taken more of a shoulder uh, or shouldered the load a little bit more. And, and really for Kevin Murphy and Reggie Evans, they've become this dynamic duo that if they're hitting on all cylinders, this is a scary team. And for a team like triplets who – Let me me get your opinion on this. You know, they're one and two. Joe's averaging less than 16 points in the last three games, which is pretty rare. He had his lowest scoring total against Ghost Dollars, which that was a blowout, so that's completely understandable. But, you know, is triplets a team that's, like, stock up because they're they're angry about the results at the end of the season? Or is this kind of a a stock down where teams are figuring out how to beat triplets, and it's going to be really, like, It's going to really be up to the other guys around him uh, to see how far this team can go. Like, is it is it now triplets like role players, the guys you need to lean on, or are they going to make this team go the most? You know, does that does that make sense the way I worded that? No, no, definitely. I I
0: I think both can be true. You know, I I would say it's going to be very interesting to see because I don't want to write off triplets role players because we've seen Allen Anderson, we've seen Jamario Moon, we've seen Genero Pargo take off that offensive load especially Genero pargo from joe johnson at points in the season we've seen it there have been games where joe johnson hasn't scored until the second half you know he's <laughs> yeah. four heading into the half and he ends with 23 so you know i i don't want to say that you know that, oh they're exposing it and you know it's just joe johnson because you and i both know that's not true you know that's that's a lazy narrative where if you look at Someone who doesn't watch the big three might think that, right? Like, yeah. Oh, exactly. triplets. You know, just guard Joe Johnson. They probably don't have anybody else. But no, that's not how that worked with cap room and you know and draft picks and everything. It's these guys are all ballers. You know, Pargo, Allen, Anderson, and Joe's a facilitator.
1: You know, yeah,
0: they, 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 they would they all play on other teams.
1: Yeah, you know, they welcome they, the double team. They, they
0: well absolutely. And They just weren't hitting shots. You know, and really, it's just been. The, the formula to beat them hasn't even been double teams. It's just been very physical down low. Yeah. It's just been make them work. Keep keep them out of the paint and just, just sort of just, you know, basically be as physical as possible. Keep them out of the paint. Annoy Joe on defense. I mean, if you look at those tri-state thing, those tri-state highlights, Dentman and, and Jason Richard are basically just like swiping at the ball the entire time. Mm-hmm. So, but really also too, but I could see a, a, a switch flip and then Joe just passes that out. And then Alan Anderson, we saw last playoffs. Alan Anderson had a great playoffs last year. Yeah, he did. So we could just see that just absolutely flip. So, you know, there, there is a formula to beat it. Triplets are still a great team. But yes, to your point, three headed monsters do have the keys in place to beat them. And that's yeah. with an incredible defensive effort from, you know, Kevin Murphy, Richard Lewis. Uh, Reggie Perry. And then you're going to need guys, you know, if you can get a solid eight points from Mahmoud or, you know, and then 10 points from Richard and then, you know, another 20 and 10 game by Reggie. And then Kevin Murphy finishes off with the rest. However, that math works out. You know, I, you could absolutely, none of these games to me, these are going to be must must watch games because neither of them in my opinion are, you know, solidified. It's not an easy any, anything yeah. could happen.
1: Yeah. If I'm a betting man, I, I'm not, I'm like really looking into this. Like, a, it's it's not one where I can look at it and say, "Oh, Triplets win, Tri-State win, they'll meet in yeah. the finals, and Tri-State's going to win it all." It's tough. I think you're right. Three-headed monsters is definitely equipped to win. At the same time, I do think that Triplets might have a point to prove. All that being said, I don't know which direction. So we'll make our game picks here in a second. I want to talk a little bit about Trilogy and Tri-State more in depth because we hinted at it. You know, this this game could really go either way. You know, we, we've kind of seen Tri-State solidify the team aspect. And, honestly, they might be the most well-rounded team at this point. We talked a lot about how size was going to be an issue for them. But as we continue to go on to the season, like, small ball lineups have worked. Yeah, It doesn't look like they lose an edge or a step when they bring in their subs, which has been Larry Sanders and Justin Dittman as of late. Jason Richardson probably is a candidate for the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Too Hard to Guard, and any other <laughs> award that's out there at this point. Like, he's really – He's been incredible. This Coach year. of the year? Coach of the year? Sure. Why not? Like, just throw him in the mix Wow, as well. crazy
0: disrespectful of Dr. J. <laughs> uh, but,
1: yeah, sorry. but No disrespect to the legend. Anthony there, but,
0: hates Dr. J. Okay. That's no, the headline not, of this podcast.
1: This not, <laughs> no, no, no. We're not We're, we're not going to get into the thick of that. This is going to go the end of the wrong way, but... Anthony hates a, doctors. <laughs> I hate doctors, and I hate anybody whose name starts with a J. So, <laughs> but... At this like, you know, looking at trilogy, we talk we we're talking about it. I mean, they'll go as far as Jared Jett takes them, but imagine if Brisco, you know, we see a game from Briscoe where yeah, he, he like he had in the first game or when Jared Jett was out when he plays like that, or you know, I, I could see Amir Johnson stepping up big in the playoffs for them. Uh you know, what what do we think of this? I mean, like, let's what do we think of this? I mean well,
0: Larry I, Sanders is Amir Johnson, that's gonna be a great matchup. Right. And they've been
1: kind of like not beefing necessarily on Instagram, but they've I definitely... think they're buddies,
0: but they've definitely been hyping up the matchup.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, what do we think of this? Is this – let me ask you, this, is this the most tightly contested first round of the playoffs we've, we've had in, in the four years of the Big Three?
0: Dude, this is the first year in playoff history where the one seed basically isn't guaranteed to win. Yeah. Because... I mean, and no disrespect to Tri-State, and this is a good thing when I say this, this is the worst one seed in the history of the Big Three oh
1: god that's like the worst way to work
0: <laughs> I, I know this is a terrible way to word it but i want to get it across because look at 2017 you had undefeated trilogy right maybe the greatest team in big three history mm-hmm. then 2018 you have power which you know i mean power is just acting different that year like i don't know what to say just, the power was just like insane that year it's like beautiful to watch and then 2019 you had triplets where it's just like you know everyone knew what was coming it was like thanos man it was like inevitable and then yep. this year, it was Tri-State getting it in the last week of the season. Their best player is Jason Richardson. And then their second best player is, you know, I guess Larry Sanders, you know, but for the first time, the best player isn't on the number one seed. For the first time, the number one seed changed, you know, before the prior last to minute, the playoffs yeah.
1: last minute. Have we ever had three, six, and two teams in
0: the playoffs? Definitely not. Definitely not. There's a, there's always a I feel like 500 always got you the last seed in the playoffs. Yeah. Not, not the cases here. We didn't even no. have
1: like, like we didn't even just have four teams that were over 500. We have five, you know, we had yeah. Kirkwood threes was also five and three, not a lot of four and four teams, <sighs> man, just crazy. Like, I don't even let's, let's make our game predictions because right, honestly, this one could, this one could either like go either way, but Tri-State trip or yeah, Tri-State trilogy. There's so many Ts and Tros. <laughs> a lot of Ts this year. And triplets, three-headed monsters. Let's start with the one-four matchup, Tri-State and Trilogy. Who do you have in that one? Do you have an upset, or do you think Tri-State continues this hot streak?
0: I feel like I bet against Tri-State a lot. I think they appreciate the slander. Like it almost,
1: you know, fuels. Well, you're a welcome, lot them.
0: guys. And I will absolutely <laughs> take credit for the position that they've been in. I just feel like. <laughs> You know, I think from what I've been saying, I think one team is trending up and one team is trending down. And I think I'm going to have to go with Tri-State as much as I think this will be the closest game or most. I think as much as this is probably the most competitive playoff game in big three history, because I really think that these two teams in terms of style of play and everything are very much neck and neck. I'm going to say that one team, you know, as we said, has become more and more of a developed unit. And the other team has really degressed and just become more and more of just one superstar taking over. And I feel like this isn't the NBA where, you know, you always have those, the Hawks or, you know, uh, the Grizzlies where they're like, no, they're a team. And then just (laughs) Kobe or, you know, LeBron comes in and just kills them. That doesn't happen in the big three. Usually the best team wins. And for that, I'm going to go with Tri-State. That would be the
1: first time the Tri State franchise has ever been in the finals. Every other team has been in the finals before. Tri State has never, they've been in the playoffs once. Oh, you mean
0: in the playoffs? Yeah. yeah. No, yes, no, no. Yes, yes.
1: It, yeah. In the championship gotcha. round. Every other team has been to the championship, Trilogy, three headed monsters,
0: and triplets. Of the eight original teams, is it just now, let's say that happens, if Tri State mm-hmm. makes it in, has it ghost now ballers, just Ghost Ballers and ball hogs? Ball hogs? Everybody else has been in the championship. Trilogy, three headed
1: monsters. That would be Tri State in this scenario. Three oh, power, monster. power, threes, company. And we're missing one team. Oh, oh, killer threes. Yeah, they've been in that too. The
0: killer threes. Yeah, you're right.
1: It's just be Ghost Ballers and ballers, wow. which they were both pretty close this year too. And
0: they were both good teams this year. <laughs> um, I'm going to stay on
1: trend with how I've been going this year. And honestly, I'm probably doing Tri State a favorite here, but just to make things interesting and, and keep it interesting like we have all year, I'm going to go with the second ever upset in playoff history. And I'm going to say that Trilogy knocks out the hottest team in the league. Um, and I say this because I think Steven Jackson was there last year and probably a coach of the year candidate, if not the coach of the year. Uh, I think he's got kind of the the keys to the winning formula for this team. And I think that Jared Jack, yeah, it might be a one-man show, but I think other guys step up here. Amir Johnson, I think, can have a big game. James White has kind of been underrated throughout the season since he yeah. missed that first game, had a really solid year. And I'm going to say that Isaiah Briscoe has a baller game, a killer game. He's going to be hard to stop. Uh, we saw that what Frank Nitty was able to do against Allen Anderson and even matched up against Jamario Moon, I'm going to say that Briscoe kind of has a similar game, uh, it's hard to stay in front of. So I'm going to go with the trilogy upset here and put the first ever four seed into the championship. That'd be um,
0: awesome. So and trilogy in their second uh, championship, total, which I don't know if that's be the first team to ever make that's got to happen this year. It's, it's got to. We have two chances at it or oh, three chances at it. So it's like in mathematically it has oh, to it's, happen. It's possible. Oh yeah, that that one team at least reaches their second. Yeah. Because you could have tri-state three-headed monsters where not neither have won it before, which would be cool, obviously. But chances are somebody's going to win their second. Mm. But it's a hundred percent confirmed that it will happen. It's got to either somebody will be in their second championship, will be the first team to reach two championships, which will be a huge milestone. So
1: triplets could actually be the first ever to go to -to back-to-back championships as well as make their second championship, Mm. but they're gonna have to go through three-headed monsters, which we talked about is a very interesting matchup, will be a close one. Who do you have in this one?
0: I'm going to have to – I'm going to go with triplets. I really don't think this is going to be as close of a game in my mind as the 1-4 matchup. 1-4 I really think is a coin toss. Triplets, I'm going to go with triplets just because of, you know, who they are. I think they're going to bounce back. They lost once, and then they just completely decimated those balls the next week, Mm -hmm. and they lose again. But I will say though, you know, it it has been you know they are on a little bit of a concerning trend just because, like you said, Joe hasn't really been playing like himself for I feel like three or four weeks now, and so it'll be interesting to see. But you know, uh, if anybody's going to beat them outright, it's going to be three headed monsters. I think that's probably but, the
1: toughest matchup they could have drawn, right?
0: Out of the oh 14. for sure. I mean, Joe said that right. He he said yeah, that on the IG true. live. He's like, this is the toughest matchup, but. You know, I don't know. I'm still going to, you know, they beat them once. I think they're going to beat them again.
1: Yeah, I'm going to keep it on that interesting train, but I, this is really what I think could happen and, and how I'm doing this. But I think that three-headed monster is going to upset triplets here, the first ever 3-4 matchup in the championship. The way I'm looking at it is, like you said, a little bit of a concerning trend, but not oh so much concerning to where I think that's the reason they're going to lose. I look at it more as in their first matchup earlier this year. The score early was 12 to 11. Richard Lewis has to sit out the rest of the half. And they have a monster second half, which three out of monsters has been the best second half team all year, all year round. And I look at it this time as it's the playoffs. Foul calls I think are not going to come as easily as they have all season long. I think it's going to be kind of a, a grit and grind type of scenario where you're really just going to have to be physical and deal with the physicality that's presented. And if there's a physical team, if we're talking about most physical teams within this playoff realm, I mean, I would probably have to say three-headed monsters is, is at least up there, or you know, arguably the, yeah. the most physical team. It's just because I have Reggie Evans. Um, so I think if, if three-headed monsters comes out and plays a similar type of game or are able to keep Richard Lewis out of foul trouble and, and just continue to stay tight with them throughout the end of the game, I think they have the guys to be able to close it out if necessary. Um, I do think this one's going to come down to the wire. It's probably going to be both teams within point game, at least to the end, but let's just make things fun. I'm going to, I'm going to say three headed monsters over triplets. Three, four matchup for me will be three headed monsters against trilogy. Nice. Uh, who's your champion?
0: Three headed monsters versus trilogy. So uh, no, rematch.
1: No, no. And a uh, tri-state. So you have tri-state triplets. So that's a rematch of week eight. Who yes. do you have as your champions from that?
0: Um. I don't know. I don't know. It's don't so wanna, hard. You said you were
1: you were gonna be.
0: I don't want to give that. I don't want to give that. I don't want to give that.
1: You want to give that yet. You want to wait. I don't want to give that. Week? I want
0: to wait. I want to wait. Fair enough. I think I, I don't want to declare a champion
1: yet until we actually know who's in the championship round. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right. Okay. Please we we'll
1: give me that. I'll I'll give you another week to okay to think about it.
0: But that just shows you what I, wh- where I am at mentally right now. I am the the same way. You can tell. I have no idea. I don't know. I I have I've never been just don't know. Which makes the first time I can say I I just don't know.
1: It makes our four picks not that laughable, like the four picks we had going to the Bahamas not that laughable because it really has been that kind of season all 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 year long. Also if you look
0: at it from a certain point of view, our four picks should have been in
1: (laughs) from another dimension, the multiverse.
0: Yes, from the multiverse, (laughs) from some timeline, some variant. Yeah. It's the, those four teams. The
1: TVA, if they if they came in and actually did their job <laughs> the right way, then, <laughs> then maybe we would have had those four teams that we expected, at least three of the four teams that we expected to be in there. But, you know, nobody nobody was – you know, the TVA got shut down. We could, They got exposed. And so, Loki spoilers here. So, if you haven't seen Loki, maybe maybe don't listen to this part. Um, so, let's talk about our awards, our, our final predictions, as I'm assuming they're going to be announced this weekend. they be announced Saturday. Yep. Now it's Saturday. Okay, so we're going to know who it is, so this will be released before then, and maybe we'll at least get some of these right. Uh, I do want to say just what an incredible season by Joe, Reggie, and Leandro Barbosa to break the points, rebounds, and assist records for in a season, uh, respectively. Congrats to those. That just tells you the type of season that they have. Yeah. Season four really came back bigger and better than ever, and they all had... Marvelous seasons. There's a reason they're all in the MVP conversation. So let's start with our MVP uh, just to segue into that. You know, those are three of the candidates. We talked about Kevin Murphy being a candidate as well, and probably Dante Green. Well, who, who do you have? We, we both had Joe at the beginning of the year. Do you have Joe to end the year?
0: I, I would say I do. I, I think it would be recency bias. If I didn't, he's fallen off a little bit. um, But just from the dominant stretch that his team has had, and that he had statistically speaking more points than ever. I think he was still second in rebounds. I think he was second or third in assists. You know, I, I think, were here. I believe, you know, as you're confirming it, I think it would be personally, you know, without hearing your choice and knowing who your choice is, I think it would be a mistake to give it to anybody else but him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to go with Joe. You're all right. He was first in points, second in rebounds, assists. Uh, steals. He oh was tied for the most three pointers this year. The most total field goals. So Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm gonna give it to Joe too. That's the first ever repeat MVP. He's he's been great, regardless of how the last three games played out. He's been great. He he had the most points in a single game this year with 34. It's hard not to give it to him. Coach of the year. There are plenty of coach of the year candidates out there. And what I really like is that there's kind of a new mix into the group. You know, we have a lot of people that haven't been coach of the years before. Granted, we've only had three, but a lot of other people that stepped to the plate and really made their team or really led their team, at least if not to the, the playoffs, playoff contenders. Who do you have as your coach of the year?
0: For me, I think if there was a debate, and there absolutely was a debate in my own head, I think it was solidified at the end. And that to me is uh, Julius Irving.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I was going to say Julius Irving and Steve Mix because I think he's been a nice assistant coach for them as well I agree yes, I understand the, the head coach gets the accolades so yeah I'm gonna go with Dr. J as well
0: I think you know just I don't think we neither of us expected Tri-State to be as good as they were I don't I think at times they have not been the most talented team I think they're very well assembled roster they've continued to bring pieces together and they it's all starting to come together at the right time so I'm gonna go with Dr. J and, wanna and Steven see- Mix I want to say that you are correct dr j i think Mix missed two weeks yeah um and steven mix was great for them i think they were one and one during that stretch with steven mix i think Uh, it was a
1: close loss to the power when they lost like 57 so so uh, yeah he did more of the small ball lineup which i think they really utilized more toward the end of the year so yeah uh, dr j gonna win coach of the year and for him hopefully the dr j trophy as well Defensive player of the year, a lot of guys had really good performances, I think. Um, you know, I guess, I don't think the stats show for it enough because games only go to 50 and we only have eight games. But a lot of guys really did play well defensively. Who would you say is your defensive player of the year this year?
0: This is a tough one for me. You know, I, I think if just I just like was,
1: everything else is show.
0: Yes. I, <laughs> I think I think it was going off of I think if I was going off of recency bias. My answer might be a little bit different, but I'm trying to, you know, reward, trying to value week eight as much as I would value week one. You know, if that makes sense. Good way to look at it. And for me, I think that has to be Chris Johnson.
1: Fair enough. Uh, the leader in blocks this year. I, I might go a little bit more recency bias. Um, also going to go a little bit by the numbers here, but I think I got to go with Frank Nitti. Mm. Uh, it's close between uh, Frank and Chris Johnson. But Frank was a leader in steals. He was also third in blocks, and I thought he just had a really impressive performance, uh, especially in that week eight. So maybe I am going with a little bit of recency bias, but I think Frank's been good all year, especially when he was able to get healthy and kind of come back from that, that minor calf injury that he was yeah. dealing with early in the year. So I'm going to go with Frank Session and his second Defensive Player of the Year award, not in the big three, but I know that he won. He won, he won one, I maybe two yeah. in the Drew League, so yeah.
0: He's won like everything in the Drew League. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, he's just uh, one of the – on the Mount Rushmore of best Drew League players at this point. Too hard to guard. I feel like we're going to have the same answer here, but let me get your input on it. Who was the hardest
0: person to guard in this year's league? I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know if we're going to have the same answer because I don't know don't if I know so? my – I don't know if I know my answer as you asked me that.
1: So um, I already know your answer
0: then. I right, we'll say your answer. <laughs>
1: Oh, I was going to say, I already know your answer because I'm assuming that we we have the same answer. But uh, I'm going to go with Leandro Barbosa. You know, I think he was hard to stay in front of. He's still at 30 years old, was blurring past people. Sorry for the horrible pun there. But he, he was tough. He scored 20 points in every single game this year, I think, outside of the, the week eight game, which, you know, for them, it kind of didn't really matter for either team. They were just kind of playing to hopefully finish up the season strong. I'm going to go with Leandro Barbosa.
0: I think I'm gonna go with. Hmm. I'm trying to decide if I want to go a comp- swerve, just completely off course, or just stay. You know, in a little bit of the realm. You know, it's hard to but when like, I when you say too hard to guard. You know, I, the first thing I think of. Well, you know, the guy who scored the most points because obviously then they, it was too hard to guard him, so he <laughs> scored the most points. But I feel like historically it's always been to like to the flashiest offensive yeah. player. Mm -hmm. and Barbosa was fantastic on offense, but I just don't know if he was that like quote unquote flashy. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't really mixing anybody up. He was just literally putting the ball down and driving past people. He was just like floating to the basket half the time. But which in a way you're like, well, then, you know, that shouldn't that be easier to guard? Shouldn't that be easier to guard? So it must've been that hard to guard him. So Barbosa is absolutely a great pick. I think to make things interesting, I think I'm gonna go with Jared
1: Jack. Ooh. Jared Jack did have some flashy, some flashy baskets there. Okay. I think Jared Jack was tough too. And I think that we have to look at his. I, I mean, if we're gonna look at it from point statistics, anyways, he missed one game, which some of those guys didn't. So he probably could add more than or he could have been probably like higher up the leaderboard if he didn't miss that one game, depending on how his performance was. So I like Jared Jack's pick too. I could definitely see that happening, but uh, I just feel like we didn't we didn't really have like a Will Bynum this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> we didn't have anybody pull out like the fake sham Hezzy. That's, that's what I mean. We
0: didn't we didn't have that.
1: Yeah, uh, I think everybody was a little bit less like they were more business and, and less, definitely less of the flashy side. So okay, I like I like the uh, the two picks there. Let's go with fourth man of the year. Who's your who's your best bench player?
0: Best bench player.
1: to me it's a two-man race
0: yeah you know I think I'm gonna go with I think we're gonna show a little bit of love to someone who was who didn't play all the games but to me fourth man is really it really isn't about whether or not you consistently are on or off the bench it's the role yeah you know what I mean it's you may not be out there in you know the beginning or you know there are probably three guys out there who are better than you But when those guys need a break or when somebody needs a break, they can rely on you to keep things going. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Dentman. Ooh,
1: okay. That's a really good pick, actually. He has been a strong contributor in the five games he's played. I think he's a big reason why they're 6-2. and So I really like that pick. That's not the two-man race I was talking about. I was actually thinking of Isaiah Briscoe and CJ Watson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. CJ's been pretty good. Like, CJ down the stretch, and maybe that's recency bias, but I – felt like he was a pivotal reason why they were even close to making the playoffs after a bad start he didn't play all the games either either but I just felt like his presence was was made when he came in like he was just a energizer or or a spark plug and just from his game like he just he just provided a lot off the bench I think but I think when I look at this award I think who did it every single week and if you look at Isaiah Briscoe had the most points off the bench this season with 81. That excludes his one start this year. Uh, I'm going to go with Isaiah Briscoe. I think he was nice. nice. Best guy. He came off the bench every single game. And Trilogy's in the playoffs. So I'm going to go with Briscoe. Three more awards here. Or two are, are presented by the fourth man kind of in a way. So one more <laughs> big three award. Best trash talker uh, of the season, which
0: a lot of trash talking. Who, this who to me have? is this to me is easily Royce White. Yeah, okay. nobody else was getting up in people's DMs and you know all this stuff. Yeah, this, so... this to me I don't think needs an explanation. This nah. to me this is Royce White. This one was pretty easy for me too. Royce White. It doesn't even matter that
1: he only played half the season. I mean, he made his presence felt for a full season. of AK.
0: he was talking trash when he was out for half the season too. <laughs> you know, that's so that, true. That, that that counts. That counts. Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent. Okay. These last
1: two aren't necessarily big three awards or at least big three awards we've seen. I don't know if there's going to be any changes to the awards this season. First one, this is kind of new. There's not really like a flashy name for it, but I this is more of an opinion on your part, but it's probably uh, probably default. I think I know what you're going to say just because of your answer earlier, but best mid-season pickup.
0: Oh, best season, mid-season pickup to me was also Denman. Okay,
1: yeah. See, I'm gonna, I was going to say Justin Denman as well. See, I came into this – Want to get your opinion because I didn't know you would pick him as the fourth man, but when I heard it, that was kind of an easy one. I got Justin Denman too, and I think he's made the biggest impact. Easily should have been a draft pick. But number
0: two for me is Alex Scales.
1: Ooh, that's a good one too. Yeah, he kept those ballers afloat. I think. Yeah. I, I think he would have been a. I think we would have seen a bigger impact from him had Mike still been playing. Like we would have seen how much of a contributor he was.
0: And and he Does that and make if sense? he had been drafted.
1: Like he yeah. probably should have been. He probably should have started with them during the season. Okay. And the last one, the unofficial, official rookie of the year, brought to you by the fourth man, the newcomer of the year award. Who was your best newcomer? And maybe I thought this might have been interesting, but maybe we open this up to the listeners or people yeah. who follow the page. I mean, as presented, because last year it's pretty easy. If someone wins the MVP as the newest player in the league, they're easily gonna have to win. I guess newcomer of the year but not the case this year. So who is your newcomer of the year?
0: For me I think it's a or two give me race. Our top 2
1: and then maybe we can we can Yeah, open let's let's give our top listener.
0: twos and we'll open up. Yeah. Um for me I think it's between Barbosa and Kevin Murphy.
1: Yeah, I think think that's another easy choice too. So we'll uh we'll do it that way. We'll just make it a vote. Leandro Barbosa, Kevin Murphy, and then we'll let listeners decide who should be the newcomer of the year. And maybe I can get those trophies out to not only this year's recipient but last year's recipient as well. So uh, those are our our votes. We'll see how many of those we can get right because we didn't do so hot on <laughs> picking the Bahamas teams. Uh, Will, what are, what else are you most excited? To, or I guess, give me this. Give me your biggest X factor of the weekend. It doesn't matter for which team. Just give me your biggest X factor. It can be a player. It can be uh, a certain matchup, how it goes.
0: Uh, I think the biggest, biggest X factor of the week is going to be Kevin Murphy. Oh, Because
1: they're the biggest wild card. Because they're
0: the biggest wild card. I think Kevin Murphy. If Kevin Murphy goes out there and he puts up a crazy scoring performance, three-headed monsters will win that game. Hmm. Yeah,
1: I think this is a name that we've talked about a lot. Oh, no, I think I'm going to go with a different X, X factor here. I think I'm going to go with the constant – earl clark
0: i think he's Mm. going to be the
1: biggest x factor for him because he has been that constant will he continue to be that constant throughout the playoffs be the guy who keeps him going maybe maybe the quote-unquote glue guy for tri-state i think he is going to be a big reason why they get beaten the first round or they win it all so i'm gonna go with earl clark there uh okay guys We appreciate everyone who tuned in. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Remember the playoff for the big three in the Bahamas starts on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Is that correct? 3 3 p.m. Eastern on CBS. On CBS. We'll get to see those guys playing in Atlantis and playing for a championship. We appreciate everyone who tunes in, whether you're listening on your preferred podcast platform, watching the show on YouTube or listening on the nothing but net channel on dash radio hopefully you're catching this right before the game because this comes out at 2 p.m eastern the game will come out at 3 p.m eastern or start at least then so also make sure you guys check out the interview with reggie evans if you want a little bit more of an insight, in-depth look on three-headed monsters perspective and how they're going to uh game plan and and, and strategize against triplets and their first round matchup we appreciate everyone who tuned in and we will catch you guys next
0: week see ya